Welcome. Well, you're at home with Jim and Joy, and you're an important part of our EWTN family, and we would love to hear from you. So today, we're taking your questions and your comments. You can always send us an email today to jimandjoy at EWTN.com, and check us out on Facebook. Well, the beautiful question for today is this. How did Pope St. John Paul II inspire you personally? And what is his lasting legacy? October 22nd, which was yesterday, is Pope St. John Paul's feast day. Mm. And EWTN aired uh, two weeks in a row, his right. beautiful movie. And we had a lot going on, so we decided to just watch it ourselves, which was very enriching yes. to our own soul. And um, it was a, it was a beautiful, beautiful movie. we were just, just watching that yesterday, mm -hmm. right? Right. And I tell you what, it was so moving. His life, mm -hmm. the cauldron yeah. in which he lived under Nazism and, and the Soviet Union and so much death and abomination and inhumanity. And out of all that, something beautiful somehow, some way was birthed in this man. Mm -hmm. And it was very difficult to come here today to say anything about him because I'm just so awed Mm -hmm. by him and by his life and by his, his beauty, his love for life. Tremendously influential in our lives, your coming into the Catholic mm -hmm. faith and my returning to the Catholic faith. Well, I can remember you were still the Episcopal priest and yeah. I was the priest's wife and we were in our church and we were having a, like a Friday night yeah. worship service. And one of our friends brought us the CD of Pope John Paul. He had made a CD. He was still a Pope. Right. And we put it in instead of our prayer and praise music. He was singing the mass. He was singing the mass. He sang the Lord's Prayer. And they had special quotes, go yeah. out into the deep and get yourself a catch. And I mean, I can remember sitting in that sanctuary and it was like interiorly God was just changing my channel. Yeah. It was like, you're getting ready to go somewhere, little girl. You don't know yet, and I'm just preparing your heart. You didn't for want this. to change the channel. I didn't want to change the channel, but I was Holy I Spirit was open to the Holy the Spirit and yeah. was allowing Him to do that. And so that was so beautiful, and and to hear that music yeah. and to, and there was Gregorian chant on yeah. it, and yeah. it was like yeah. it was an awakening. And from different countries, there was African oh. music. But it, he was a man of the arts. Yes. And and he was communicating through the arts and through song, not just didactic teaching, but he would sing and so many ways he would touch you. Joy, let's quote this quote here from John It said, Paul. there is no evil to be faced that Christ does not face with us. There is no enemy that Christ has not already conquered. There is no cross to bear that Christ has not already borne for us and does not now bear with us. And on the far side of every cross, we find the newness of life in the Holy Spirit, that new life which will reach its fulfillment in the resurrection. Yeah. This is our faith. This is our witness before the world. And that was Pope John Paul II in homily yeah. in Baltimore, Maryland in 1995. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, so, yeah. I mean, how much can you say? It's, it's inexhaustible. You just go and go. Yeah. How many beautiful things. One of the things that, about Pope John Paul is that for me, as a witness of him, as a Protestant, because we weren't in the church yet at yeah. that time, I thought he was the greatest example of a living witness of a human being that I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I was like, 
Where does this love come from? Where does this, where does this joy come from? Where does this faith come from? Where does his intellect, everything that he had, and that just, it just like came out of every cell of his body. I've, ne I've never seen anything like that. And then you said to me, I want to come in to the Catholic Church under this Pope. I am a son of his. And I was like, oh boy, yeah. Yeah. that's going to happen. So we want to hear from you. Email us. How did Pope John Paul II inspire you personally? He's touched so many souls. How did he touch your life? We'll be right back. Plenty more to come. Please don't go away. Welcome back. Well, remember that we're answering your questions and comments on our show today. So you can email us with your question and your comment to jimandjoy at EWTN.com and check us out on Facebook. So the question is this, how did Pope St. John Paul II inspire you personally? And what is his lasting legacy? October 22nd, which was yesterday, is Pope St. John Paul II's yeah. feast day. And it was so beautiful. I mean, so many people had posted so many personal things. They sent us beautiful uh, contacts. And then even yesterday, just on Facebook and Instagram, so many people putting such beautiful things. And it was just like, yes, saturate, saturate everything with his presence and his face. Joy, I think we have on the line now Arlen Nichols. Uh, he is with the John Paul II St. John Paul II Foundation. It's an incredible organization that really promotes the life and the legacy of John Paul II. They have a number of particular ministries. They have something called the Converging Roads where healthcare and ethics and medicine converge, the whole area there, together in holiness where spouses discover God's plan for their family. Three clergy initiatives where clergy embrace Christ's heart for life and the family. Arlen, Welcome to At Home with Jim and Joy, brother. Thank you so much, Jim. Great to visit with you both, Jim and Joy. Yeah, we haven't had you on in a while, so it's great to have you back. And as you know, yesterday was the celebration of St. John Paul II's feast day. If there's anybody who knows about his life and his legacy, it's, it's you. So what's on your heart for us today? What stands out to you? How did he touch your life personally as well? Oh, where do I begin? Um, you know, it feels like my entire life has been uh, impacted deeply by St. John Paul II. I was born in 1980, right? So two years as a pope when I was born. And so he was the only pope I knew all the way until his death in 2005. But uh, for me, the, the thing that, that resonates most um, was uh, in my college years, uh, I picked up a Familiaris Consortio his document on the family as a, as a young searching college student seeking to know God's plan for my life. And uh, I read that document on marriage and family life, and I, my heart was set on fire. You know, his, his, his teaching on marriage and family inspired me um, and called me, you know, over time to strive the best I possibly could with the help of God's grace to live out that beautiful, clear teaching 
on marriage and family life that uh, he articulates in that incredible document. Um, the, the, the two passages that nowadays, you know, at first it struck me, it drove me to marriage, but now as a parent of 10 kids, um, there's this passage there that he, where he says, you know, scarcely anything can make up for the failure of parents to provide an education in the faith and love uh, to their children. And, uh, and that's just a scary passage, yeah. you know, as, as a dad, that uh, I really have to, my wife and I really have to take seriously that incredible privileged role we have to pass on the faith, to pass on the virtues, to pass on this incredible teaching of the church of St. John Paul II to our kids. So I would say familiarity consorts you on a personal level. Uh, of course, there's other things, professional level as well, but uh, I can mention. But on the personal level, his teaching on marriage and family was just a clear clarion call for me that has helped to shape me and my family uh, for decades. Well, he was really all over it, wasn't he? Even before he was pope uh, and meeting with all these young people and young couples and um, yeah. lo he wrote Love and Responsibility, which was great for me to read after I came in so many years back, uh, mm -hmm. you know, where, where he says, you know, the, the opposite of, uh, of love is it's not hate, the opposite of love is usury, the usury of people. That's and so right. he's taking it to what true natural law marriage is and, and what uh, the divine law is regarding marriage, this total gift of self and true intimacy. Elaborate on that a little bit. Um, you know, when you say the greatness of his teaching, um, why, why was it and why is it still so very necessary? You know, it, it's so, it is so necessary in the area of marriage and family. I mean, you know, the evil one continues to, to seek to divide families and, and to uh, conquer marriage and family life, if you will. Um, and so returning to his incredible teaching um, that everyone has the capacity, who is married, right, to live, um, is so essential for marriage and family life. Um, I think also you mentioned kind of the moral life as well. Uh, his document, Veritati Splendor, on the splendor of truth, yeah. is so essential in, in, in our day. It, you know, it, it, if and when he is named a doctor of the church, I think it will be because of his theology of the body, uh, you know, things like love and responsibility as well. But I think probably perhaps more than anything, it might be because of his teaching in Veritatis Splendor, that each and every human being is called to a life of holiness, to freely choose and pursue the Lord. Like what is freedom? What is conscience? What is the human act? What is the life of virtue look like? Um, that document, Veritati Splendor, the splendor of truth, is one that, especially as the church continues to engage in, in the, you know, the topics that our aggressively secular world um, is uh, you know, forcing us to, to grapple with, turning to his teaching, this compendium of the moral life, Veritati Splendor, I think is so essential for the church and, and really not just for the church, you know, but for each and every one of us, you know, to pick up that document. If you've never read it, yes. read Veritati Splendor. It, it is an incredible, prescient document. I mean, it, it, when you read it, it feels like you wrote it yesterday yeah. to address something that we're grappling with today. 
Um, and if we can bring that teaching into the questions that we face today, I think we will be richly rewarded and richly blessed and continue to be faithful to our Lord and to His church. Well said, Arlen. Thank you so much. You can go to forlifeandfamily.org, forlifeandfamily.org. Learn more about the St. John Paul II Foundation. God bless you, Arlen, your great work, your marriage, and your precious family. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Jim and Joy. God bless. God bless. Well, when we met Arlen, he did not have 10 kids. We met him a long yeah, time ago. And yeah. We're just getting started with this beautiful apostolate. Yeah. And, you know, for us in, in the witness, we today, we have to comprehend the gift that St. John Paul has been to us, the gift that God gave to us, prophetic gift. To, so that we can live in our day right now with everything that he shared with us because it is under great attack, <laughs> marriage and family. And even in marriage, we're married 46 years, we have to comprehend the gift that God has given us. You know, he's given us a gift. We have a gift of this marriage. Our children are a gift to us. And, you know, we, we can get so sidetracked with everything that we're doing and, and how we're being and how we're living. And then we miss the encounter of, my gosh, what a great gift. And God has been so generous to us with his grace in that gift. And to understand this beautiful man and who he was and to imitate him and to say, uh, he, for me, he was just the greatest witness of a human being. I, I've never seen anything love and live and suffer. Yeah. I mean, how that man suffered and brought so much beauty out of all of his suffering with the loss of his mother and then his brother and, and oh. then his father and, and his country and such attack. And you, you know the competition I liked in terms of you say he, he, he manifested what it means to be a human being. If you never saw a human being, you look at it. But Mother Teresa yes. was at the same time. Yes. They were so close. He loved being with her yes. and, and, and her with him. And they were like, Kindred. when you forget what it means to be a human being, mm. when you look at this world and the violence and the hatred, you look at, you know, the, the killing of, of, of the pre-born, God help us, and euthanasia, and so all this ugliness and, mm -hmm. and this, this blasphemy of what it means to be a human being. But they were together, Mother yes. Teresa, and they were just so beautiful. Uh, that's what a human being is like. You could point to that. That's what a human being is like. Right, and that we lived in a time when we saw them and they walked on the earth with us. Yeah. And so for us, as we continue to live out our days, that we would be imitators of Jesus, that we would be imitators of our Blessed Mother, that yeah. we would be imitators of these two great saints we that Pope John Paul made. We have a comment here? Yes. Pope St. John Paul II's gentle composure and the feeling that I could sit down with him and have a deeply faith-filled conversation has left a lasting impact on me. And this was from Judy on Facebook. Yeah. And it's true, I mean, you, you, he was so real, he was so wise, yeah. he was so enriching and loving, and, and then he led us to the sacraments. Yeah. I mean, what about him? And, and then he <laughs> brought us St. Faustina in Divine Mercy Sunday. I mean, I was a it new Catholic on. and I was just coming into all this stuff. It was yeah. like, it was just like rolling. It was a time. He was meteoric. Mm. I mean, he was a meteor shot in a dark sky. Mm. And for me, who was a lapsed Catholic, it was kind of like I went. Yes. And I, I said, what, what's that? And God really used him in my life to bring me back to the church, and that was one of his hallmarks, a new evangelization. Mm -hmm. We must reach the people who elapsed from the church, who have rebelled against the church. And Jean-Paul said, we gotta reach those people 
our lapsed people, our lapsed nations who were once Christian, Catholic nations, now going pagan. We need to reach them again. We need to articulate the gospel for this age, for this time. We'll be right back. There's plenty more to come. Please don't go away. Welcome back. Well, thank you so much for all of your comments on our show today and how you've reached out to us on Facebook. Before we wrap up this show, we're going to go straight to Rome to check in with Joan Lewis, who has some very important news for us. Now, Joan, what's the latest noon coming, the news coming from Rome this weekend? Well, greetings from the Eternal City. And as you all know, of course, yesterday was October 22nd, and that was the feast day of St. John Paul, and also marked the 45th anniversary of the start of his pontificate in 1978. Of that pontificate, almost 27 years, the motto was, be not afraid. And those were the words that the Holy Father said the very night he was elected. But there is so much to say about John Paul. We could talk for a week. I would like to highlight, however, um, his amazing linguistic skills. He spoke at least eight languages fluently and was constantly learning different languages. And this had to be a big benefit for his papacy and his travels. Now, John Paul was known as the great communicator, and he did a lot to bring the Vatican into, of course, the information age with, with all of the technology we have today. And need I say, he had amazing travels over his almost 27 years. Now, I want to highlight some of the firsts of his pontificate. There were many, but here's just a few. He was the first, of course, non-Italian pope to be elected in over 400 years. He was the first pope to visit a synagogue that was in Rome and to visit a mosque. That was the Omayyad Great Mosque of Damascus. He was the first pope to hold press conferences in airplanes, and he also held one at the Holy See press office. And interestingly enough, He's the first and I think the only pope to ever stay in a hotel during an apostolic trip because he went to um, Azerbaijan in 2002. And normally a pope when he travels stays at the nunciature of a country. But at that time, there were only 120 Catholics um, in Azerbaijan. There was no nuncio, therefore no nunciature, so he stayed in a hotel. And of course, I think you all know that Pope John Paul added five mysteries, the beautiful, luminous mysteries, to the, to the rosary. And then an interesting um, fact about a trip. He said Mass in the northernmost Catholic community in the world, and that's over 350 kilometers north of the Arctic Polar Circle. That was in, Tra um, in Tromso, Norway, and that was 1989. So interesting fact there. Tip of the iceberg on the first of his pontificate. But, you know, Pope John Paul, of course, helped end communism in his native Poland and eventually throughout all of Europe. He did uh, so many things to improve relations between the Catholic Church, Judaism, Islam, the Eastern Orthodox churches, and the Anglican Church. And um, 
you know, we would need an entire separate show, maybe a week, to talk about his publications and obviously his many, many trips, the clarity of his teaching, the courage to always tell the truth. And But I, I do want to close with a mention about his sense of humor and wish I had more time for more stories. But I love the one where he, he's a brand-new cardinal. He's going into the Vatican one day at the Santa Ana entrance, and the Swiss guards smartly salute him. And then one of the guards kind of relaxes a minute, and he said, Your Eminence, can I ask you a question? And, uh, and Cardinal Wojtyla responded, Well, yes, of course. And the Swiss guard, and I have to know if the Swiss, of course, are great skiers. The Swiss guard said to him, Is it true that the Polish cardinals all know how to ski? And, um, and Cardinal Wojtyla said, Well, yes, he said 50% of them do. Wow, says the Swiss guard, that's amazing. How many cardinals are there? And he said, well, there's just two of us. So he was the 50% of the, of the cardinals. He was the skiing cardinal. But I was privileged, blessed, thrilled to work so many years in his pontificate to meet him, to be at mass in his chapel on a number of occasions, and, of course, best of all, to make chocolate chip cookies for him. So on that word, happy feast day to all of us. God bless. Thanks so much for that wonderful report, Joan. And, you know, just thinking back to when I was considering reverting back to the church and was very happy being an Episcopal priest, great congregation, I had this dream. And in the dream, John Paul was, was preaching to a multitude, and I could see him there. And I moved up as close as I could get with a couple of friends of mine. One was a lapsed Catholic, and the other one was uh, a Protestant deacon. And, and John Paul was preaching, looking out over this mass of people, and, and the, one of my friends that was in the stream was a Marine, and he said, Heavenly Father, what's the mission? Father, what's the mission? What's the mission? And John Paul looked over uh, countless people, and he said, the world, the whole world, the world, the whole world, the world, the whole world. That's the mission. I woke up out of my sleep. I sat up in my bed, and I said, I want a part of that. Mm. I want to declare the gospel with the church that Jesus Christ has established. What about you? You've been called for such a time as this to declare the good news of God in Christ, his mercy and his grace. And speaking about mercy, we'll interview on Wednesday and Thursday Dr. Brukowski. He'll be discussing his radical reversion to the Catholic Church and his commitment to life-affirming medicine after many years as a clinical abortionist. Those who are forgiven much, love much. Wednesday and Thursday. Don't miss the shows. God bless you. Keep it on EWTN. Bye now.